What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat today. Joining us today is Justin Patrick Pierce. Justin's mission is to help men and women manifest the love relationships that they desire. He is the co-author of Amazon best-selling book, The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love. Justin wrote this book to offer women an alternative to the soul-gutting experience of failing in love dynamics again and again and again. Justin helps his clients stop repelling the love they want and begin to show up in a way that inspires the men in their lives to deepen, step up, and behave more like a hero than a villain. The techniques he teaches women put them back in control of creating the depth of love they crave. They allow these women to thrive inside of the sacred relationship he describes in his book. And Justin, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What inspired you to dedicate your at least professional life to this work? Never in a million years did I think I'd be doing this as a career. Um, You know, as a child, I was always very interested in meditation and spirituality, but I really sincerely grew up believing that that was something I would always keep to myself. You know, I had a a traditional Christian background and I did communion, confirmation, all of these activities and religion had its place, but I always had this deep inquiry into spirituality and fascinated me and I as a child I would just spend time in the basement two three hours at a time with the lights off meditating working with energy and I'd never been trained in any of this so I always had a longing for spirituality and it always had a place in my life but as I grew up and I had relationships and friends I never shared it with anyone and then in my early 20s I met um, the woman in my life now is my wife London who we wrote the book together And she just brought me to an intimacy workshop one time. And the first time I heard this, I was like, what? Oh man, that sounds terrible. And I think a lot of guys probably feel that way when they first hear about this. It's just like, what? Yeah. But I went and um, for the first time in my life, it was as if all of that meditative and spiritual practice I'd been doing, I was suddenly able to apply it to a moment where it was creating an experience, not just in me, but in the person in front of me. And it wasn't just any ordinary experience. It was an intimate one, one that became exciting and sexual as well, to the point where the way we were connecting had both depth, spiritual insight, and sexual ecstasy, playfulness, delight, the reason why I was so attracted, you know, to partners and intimacy in the first place. It was like, it was a whole package. And that's really what started it. Once I tasted it, I just, I kept going back and back until it just became me. It just pumps in my veins. It's just in my bones and my blood. Um, Wow. You are extremely present and grounded, both in the content I've seen of you online and in this moment. So my two-part question for you is one, how have you and how, you, how do you continue to cultivate that? And two, how important is that, do you think, to have a healthy, conscious relationship? Mm. I think the entire world is kind of tuning into the fact that consciousness and presence are kind of fundamental to a certain quality of our lives. And 
if we're unable to kind of be still or be grounded or balance our minds, it's very easy to get swept up and become overwhelmed in the news and digital media and caffeine and stimuli and substance and substance to the point where we're taking in so much information, we're getting overstimulated. And as a result, we're becoming numb. It's like it, we struggle to feel anything at all anymore. And then we just need more and more and more to feel again. And I think a lot of people are tuning into that and realizing like, whoa, we need to slow down. We need to drop into something a little deeper than this. And meditation is becoming more apparent. You know, Eckhart Tolle and presence, these teachings are becoming, you know, mass knowledge. We, we all understand that now. But I think the piece that I bring, that I've learned, that I study that's unique is, yes, mindfulness is valuable. Presence is valuable. Depth is valuable. But how do we actually apply it to our intimate life, to our sexual life, to our relationship to sex, to the very reason we chose to commit to a partner in the first place? How do we apply that skill there such that the relationship continues to be that inspiring thing it was at first. And not only just maintain that spark or that sexual interest or desire, but to actually deepen it. Something that becomes far more interesting, even far more erotic as time goes on. How does one do that? And when I looked you know, at my parents or at other examples in my life, I didn't see anyone who figured that out. I didn't know anybody who had really cracked that code where what was evolving between two people as the decades went on was something that was even more inspired or awakening or filled with love and maintained this sexual passion. I couldn't find it. So that's fascinated me. And my life study along with my partner has been dedicated towards that exploration how does one create that what is necessary so this depth this presence i apply there wow how there's so many different questions i could ask but one of them is what's it like being in the type of relationship that you're in to teaching this as your career and three doing it with your partner i'd imagine that it's deepened your relationship significantly. But what has that process been like for you? And how have you managed both loving your partner, working with your partner, and dealing with working with other people? Because I'm sure it's been powerful, but not always the most easy at times. Yeah, it's, it can be tremendously complicated and challenging, no doubt. And in the meanwhile, we're raising a two-year-old at the same time. Um, and we currently don't have a, ta a caretaker because we recently moved. So we're both working this business together. We're trading off being parents simultaneously. We're actually working on our next book together as well at the same time. So there's so much one could become overwhelmed by and overwhelmed about. And in our work in, in the sexual yogas or in sacred intimacy practices, one of the key principles that anyone will learn or hear about very quickly is this concept of masculine feminine. Even um, Tony Robbins talks about this and he got it from one of my primary teachers, David Data, who you know, was kind of world renowned for this, a lot of the ways he's presented these ideas. Yeah. Um, so when you start to understand the mechanics of what creates polarity and what those words, words mean, that's an incredibly powerful tool that is like, it's kind of like um, the fountain of youth or like the holy grail when two human beings who have never heard of this or don't actually understand what those words mean come together and actually experience it. They taste it. They drink from the well. And then they go, holy crap, this is amazing. This is the thing I've always wanted in sexual relationship. This is it right here. And they might experience that with a complete stranger, brand new, or they might experience that with the partner they've been with for 10 years, but fell out of attraction to. And then suddenly knowing polarity and this technology of masculine and feminine, what, how to create it, they get to re-experience it immediately. And then the lights click, whoa, that feeling 
that I get isn't merely just this phenomenon that happens once in a while or only happens when I catch eyes with a stranger across the grocery store, but it's an actual mechanic in our biologies, in our bodies, that we can intentionally create essentially with anybody that we choose if both partners are up for doing the technique. So once people learn this, there's a tendency to kind of become obsessed with the whole masculine feminine ideology and all of that. Yep. And I, which I have done in many ways because I've done a lot of that masculine reclaiming in the past yeah. few years. So I, yeah. I, yeah, but go ahead. Every man should do it. It's, it's, it's essential. We, if we're rejecting parts of ourselves or parts of our father or parts of our lineage, it, we need to touch those fully and heal that. You know, so yeah. what is the masculine? What is said about this thing? Let me go to the nth degree and touch that in my fullness. Once you do and you get to a certain point, you realize you don't really need to do that. And you, like, you're, you're a man, like, let it go. <laughs> like, what is a man? Dude, you're a man. What, you, just <laughs> how, how um, you know, if you're willing to share your personal journey of masculine and maybe tapping into un you know disconnected from healthy feminine too for you but what was that process like for you personally like what aspects of yourself had you shed at a young age inauthentically or for safety etc and what did you reclaim and how did that all play out that's a beautiful question you know when i was a young kid i think i was just really soft-hearted really sensitive kid um i just had a wonder for life and i uh, I always wanted to hang out with my older brother. My older brother, he suffered from a lot of psychological issues, very serious. Um, and so at a certain age, um, I wanted to spend time with him, but I would just kind of be the, um, the target of a lot of physical abuse. And, you know, there's the, there's the kind of like where you beat up on your brother and it's like wrestling play. But because of just the psychological pieces that were there, it got very serious in a lot of situations regularly, um, which made it brutalizing. And, and it kind of beat the softness out of me. It beat the vulnerability out of me. And I noticed there had to be this kind of protective shell. And I really got into weightlifting and training as a way to protect myself and protect my body. If I was strong and big, I'd be safer, right? So there are these kind of um, artifacts that I began to build around me to help protect my sensitivity. And when I found this work, it kind of really worked because all of those masculine embodiment traits, I kind of had been practicing for a while, right? Yeah. Um, so when I tried on that shoe, the shoe fit really well. And I was like, oh, I have permission to kind of be this archetype fully like without compromise i can rest in my fucking masculine you know what i mean yep so i played the note real hard and full and that was healthy for me because it allowed me to touch something that was there and needed to be fully expressed but at a certain point the dogmas and the artifice is not the thing and to kind of find a deeper truth in us as men, as, um, as just human beings. We have to explore the, the fullness of who we are. And there was a huge part of my story where I had to really understand my sensitivity, my softness, my vulnerabilities. And I formally practiced those just as adamantly as I practiced the masculine scales in terms of what does that actually mean? Does that mean being a woman or pretending to be a woman? Absolutely not. But when we understand what the feminine principle is, we recognize it is not gender-based whatsoever. It's something that we're actually all doing in real time. No matter how masculine you think you are, there's plenty of moments you're occupying the feminine pole. It's just you don't know what that word means and you think you're going to look like a woman or something, but that's not true at all. It has to do with much more subtle elements. So as I started to experience London and I in this exploration together is, you know, she has a fully cultivated, what could be called masculine, right? I mean, she's a kick-ass businesswoman. She's gone out, she's dominated. She's been, you know, in charge of uh, 
companies, you know, world-renowned sales rep. She was a, a Emmy award-winning um, producer for NBC News. Wow. I mean, this woman was just dominating. So she had a lot of that quality as a lot of women these days do. Yep. So when you go into this world, a lot of the things women hear at first is, oh, you're too masculine. You need to be more feminine. Now, okay, what are you going to do with that? So it's a slippery slope because there's half truths in there, but it's yeah. not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. And when we start believing the dogmas of I'm not masculine enough, you're not feminine enough or vice versa, that's when we start weaponizing the teachings rather than them being something that's actually liberating us. And I see just as many people get caught in that trap as I do suffering, not having the technology at all. Yeah, that's a really good point. When I first started this work, I was reading David Data, as you mentioned, author of books like Way of the Superior Man. And I also read um, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover, who came on the show. And saw that. Yeah. And it was all amazingly helpful. But then after I kind of got over this plateau of, okay, I've reclaimed a lot of my masculine and even my feminine as well is great. I then started to, like you say, weaponize it a little bit and start to beat myself up in certain situations and say, you know, come on, man, you got to be more masculine if you want this. And I've realized that it's learning and integrating, but then also accepting kind of your balance and how you authentically show up and not just pushing that one direction. Is that what you see with people? And could you talk about that for a sec? Yeah, sure. I mean, early on in this work, a lot of people would come to me because they want to develop their masculine. So they'd say, And one of the most common things I'd see in men who start on this journey is they get all amped and psyched about it. They start doing practices and cultivating this thing and they're getting better. They're seeing results. Yeah. But then they hit this plateau where something just becomes frustrated or stuck for them. They become limited in their progression. They can't go any further. And if you imagine you're talking about weight training, it's kind of like pushing heavy, 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 heavy weight and not sleeping and not stretching and not eating right. Do you know what I mean? The recovery aspect of it. So they're just trying to drive in this one direction and they become stuck. But when I would start to take the men into practices that I call omega practices on the other end, as opposed to the alpha end of the spectrum, into the omega practices and begin softening their body, opening their body, resensitizing their body, they would begin to make progress in a different way. They would start to see that progress doesn't always have to look like putting your head down and charging forward through walls. Progress is also relaxing back, settling into the unwinding, just as our body needs sleep to recover and grow, as it needs stretch to be healthy and for the muscles to grow. This is the omega side and it's like a pendulum. Once I got the men to swing into the omega side, in the next month or two, they would find this depth of their masculine capacity that would come effortlessly and naturally. They'd bust through the wall because they were starting to create an equilibrium within their own system. And London and I uh, use the terms alpha and omega to describe that polarity and that polarity spectrum inside of the human being. And both men and women have it. You have full access to it right now as you are. It's just, are we conscious of it and how do we use it intelligently to really create beautiful things in our lives? That's very well said. My next question for you actually comes from the bio that I read, which is Justin helps his clients stop repelling the love they want and begin to show up in a way that inspires the men in their lives to deepen, step up and behave more like a hero than a villain. There are that, could, that could be said about both sexes. Yeah, yeah that could be yeah, said yeah, both yeah. directions. Totally agree. But on the word repelling, mm-hmm. why, how and why are people repelling the love that they want so badly? And when they come to you and you identify that pattern, what do you kind of do with them? What is that process? Yeah. So this plays into the question that you previously asked that we didn't get to flesh out completely, but it's about like these dynamics and how do we navigate work mode, parent mode, uh, best friend mode, and then sexual lover mode. These are distinct, different ways of relating. 
And if we're not conscious of that, our lives and relationships get very muddy and neutralized and the sexual passion evaporates and we don't know why. And we quickly feel like roommates or business partners. And we're just like, I'm not really attracted to you anymore. Or we end up butting heads, constantly feel like we're struggling for the lead in the relationship. This is because we're unconscious of the way we're relating to the moment. There's no intentionality to our relating. So London and I created the three ways of relating, which we go, uh, which we explain in depth in our book, The Awaken Moments Guide. And in the three ways of relating, it's very simple. We take this idea of polarity and if polarity is not the ultimate truth, it's just a map to help us understand things. It's a very simple map. So if we have polarity, you are either always an alpha or omega at any given moment, right? If we just cut life into black and white, you're either an alpha or omega. And are you using those terms for one to be masculine and one to be feminine? Yes. So alpha would be associated with this idea of masculine or resting as consciousness being purpose driven in that regard. So men and women, we both have this purpose driven part. We know how to get shit done. We know how to manifest. We know how to create and penetrate the world, let's say. Right. Man or woman, that's our alpha capacity. So when you're in the kitchen, let's say, all right, here's a perfect example. So London's in here doing work. She's an alpha coaching, giving clarity of consciousness feedback to her student comes inside. And cause she's used to kind of that command that da, 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 da. she walks in the kitchen and she goes, Justin, pass me that dish. Justin, I need da, da, da. Did you handle da, da, da? She's still an alpha, right? Yep. Now that's very subtle, but you bring that into the kitchen. You bring that into the bedroom we start to lose the quality of our relationship that allows our sexual polarity to thrive because it's being stomped out by alpha, 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 and this unconscious like business way of relating. Yeah. So when we have our phones near us, we're laying in bed, emailing other people, we're constantly in alpha mode. What can we get done? And when we're both in that space, man and woman, we start to lose out on what's available in polarity. So we've become wildly intentional with what way we're relating at any given moment. I see how powerful that can be in the example you gave, but just in general, how, how does that show up for you personally? Do you, you know, when you're working or could you give an example of a time similar to how you gave it one with London and how you have to be intentional about either coming in really hot alpha London, do this, do that for me, or coming in real Omega. I just meditate and I'm really light. And, but she wants me to really lead right now. And I have to be intentional about that, for example. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's just do a simple example from every morning, you know, every morning I wake up 5am and I sit in a studio that looks just like this and I meditate for one hour. And in that meditation, I rest as consciousness. There's no objective. There's just resting as consciousness. So that meditation in and of itself is as alpha an expression as one gets to rest as consciousness, another stillness, non-reactivity. That's kind of the alpha practice. And all of these practices we do, you know, where we're doing like these embodiments and breaths, all we're trying to do is touch that place of resting as consciousness. And then once we're in it, the body animates, anything we animate from there is in touch with consciousness. So I'll have that one hour practice. And then once I'm done, London will enter the room and we won't talk. She sits down right in front of me and then we begin our polarity practice. So I'll have a timer and I'll set it and it's broken down into uh, 40 minute, 10 minute segments. And we know what we're gonna be doing during those 10 minutes. And we're just formally practicing polarity. So from that consciousness, that grounded state, I just bring my attention, I place it on her. And then I begin to just breathe deeply. And I'm breathing in a way where my breath is matching the tempo of her breath and her body. And I'm breathing just to basically let her know I'm with you, I'm here. And by breathing deeply, it also activates sensation in the body, brings the sexual body online because we have sex from the neck below, right? 
So then she now drops into an omega state. She allows her body to move. She allows permission to feel herself. If there's emotions there, they come out and so on and so forth. So we have this formal polarity practice. After the 40 minutes is up, you know, we might make love, we might do whatever, whatever happens in there. There's no required outcome. It is what it is. And it often is something profoundly beautiful to feel seen and loved and to make love in that way every single morning is a wild experience and there's no shoulds about it. And we'll bow. And the moment that's done, we both walk out of the room and then it's time to take care of the baby. And it's like, oh, let's go wake up, you know, the baby, here's your bottle. Oh, okay, all right, here we're gonna go. And then it's like, who's in charge of the baby that day? So if I'm in charge of the baby, I take control and I'm in charge of what the baby's doing. I change the baby. I say where we're doing this. I say, hey, come on, let's go. And I'm in charge of getting everyone out of the house or doing whatever we need to do. And that means London's in charge of her work. So she takes her alpha and puts it right into work. But we're not crossing those lines. And then when London has the baby, she's in charge of the baby. She takes all of those responsibilities and I'm, my mind immediately goes into work. So what that means, it sounds very simple, but what that means is she's not going to get angry at me that I didn't like change the baby's diaper because she knows for certain my attention is on work. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that avoids so much conflict that would otherwise normally destroy intimate connection, intimate relating, is we have these incredibly tight and clear boundaries with each other, but we hold them in a very gentle, loving way. I don't feel rigid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this reminds me a little bit from Way of the Superior Man about when Data talks about a woman coming to a man and she's in the feminine and testing for his masculine mm -hmm. and how men can complain and turn that into a fight or turn that into conflict. But really, she's testing for trust and that he'll actually stand up to her and yeah. even say no to her. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I found that to be a huge shift for me in my relationships from why is this woman attacking me and causing all these problems from, no, if I can hold my truth, it's actually going to, you know, there's, she wants me to say no almost. She wants me to, to prove that I'll stand up to her and to others. Sure, sure. She wants to feel that perseverance and that unshakable aspect of you. Yeah. <sighs> But there's a subtlety to it. If you're getting angry and like, no, da, 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 da. it's not it entirely. It's not the thing she's wanting to feel. Because if you're emotionally reactive, you're in that omega state too. You're in your feminine just as she is. You're just getting all heated about it. That's not resting as consciousness. That's not resting in a depth of certainty that's beyond the argument or her complaint. And she wants to feel that part in you. She wants to feel you rested so fucking deeply in something. It's almost like there's nothing to prove, but it's not coming because your heart is closed and you're dismissive of her. It's coming from a place of, I, I fucking love you and I am certain and I got you. I got you, I got this. And it's, an embodied quality that when she feels that, it's something she can actually surrender into. And if she can't get that, she'll take the fight. You know, she'll take the, the tussle or whatever that's there, but at, at a depth, she wants to feel a man resting in the part of him that's actually immovable. That's actually consciousness. And that's what opens her sexually beyond anything. And when a man finds that part for himself, there's no greater spiritual practice he can develop for himself. That's what he's trying to do with meditation. He can learn it much quicker by trying to interact with a woman um, in a very spiritual capacity because she's the greatest reflection of truth. She will call out his bullshit uh, quicker than anything, right? Yeah. And those tests, if we know how to show up to them are the greatest teacher, I believe. They teach us about relationship to life itself. Yeah. So saying no or yes, but either way from that firmness and that confidence and that strength, rather than 
from that anger and that emotional reaction because it can be the same word but from the like you said from the different place precisely if there's tension in your body you're not resting in consciousness <laughs> wow yeah All right. if you're locked up and you're that's not it there's a part of you that you rest in that's um beyond the contraction of it yeah so here's a question you guys coach a lot of women i imagine or there are a lot of women in your audience who come to you or seek your work because they're looking for uh, a relationship a love relationship is that right yeah absolutely i'm sure a lot of people say justin london where am i going to meet a guy like you a guy who meditates an hour a day or me if you're working with a man where am i going to meet a woman who can is willing and wants to do these practices with me what do you tell them well, we have a chapter in our book um, said, what if my partner is not practicing? And we break it down in there. But that's a question we get all the time. What if my partner is not practicing? What if my partner is not? What if my partner is not? Now, there's going to be certain situations where you meet someone who's simply not a fit or you're in a relationship that you've outgrown and this person is not appropriate to stay with. We need to be mindful of those scenarios because those are real scenarios. You don't want to, um, as London always says, put icing on a shit pie. It's not what we're here to do. So if something <laughs> doesn't work, it doesn't work. Let it, let it be done. Get on to the next. But with that being said, the next piece is if you're practicing well, your partner doesn't need to practice at all. Your partner doesn't even need to know what you're doing. Man or woman, you learn how to bring your presence and your sexuality as something that is the most interesting thing in the room. We all know the experience of how sex and intimacy can be far more interesting than television. You know, especially on the first few dates. Do you know what I mean? Like your body and being intimate with you sounds way more interesting than anything else I could do right now. Do you know that feeling? Everyone knows that. Yeah. A lot of people are just watching TV to try to find that because instead of recreating it for themselves. Absolutely. And it seems like that thing is so temporary. And then once it fades, and for a lot of people, it'll fade in a couple of weeks. It certainly does when we have things like, you know, um, Instagram, Pornhub, Facebook, that just flashing different choices in front of us nonstop. It aggravates the craving mind. And it's like, look what I don't have. Look what I'm missing. I mean, it's torturous we're doing to ourselves with these images and photos of each other's sexuality just out there if we're not careful we're just constantly fantasizing about someone else rather than being with our partner so that's part of what's happening inside of all of us we really need to be mindful about that but if we can bring our attention to our lover and also bring our practice in a way that is more inspiring than what's on television then if that person wants to be with you, you're going to be able to create something very beautiful. But oftentimes we're finding people who just have their arms crossed and they're like, well, I'll change the moment that person changes. It's like, well, wait a minute. Guess what? Stalemate. Because if you have an interest to deepen your intimacy, you, your practice is how do you cultivate that thing and make it so inspiring that that person is a fucking yes to do that with you? That's the art of sexual yoga and seduction in a way where it's used in a healthy capacity, not to merely manipulate someone, but to actually reignite that feeling we had when we first met and then actually build it, make it something even more profound. And out of every practice I have and every moment in my day I have, my favorite moment of every day is the 40 minutes I spend with London in the morning. It is the best part of my day. And it's the best part of her day. And when men hear about this practice, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that stuff. Look in the eyes and do that one, you know. Uh, or, you know, a woman hears this and just like, I don't just want to have sex with him every single day. And you hear like the complaints of what they think this thing's going to be and their resistance to do it. But when two people are practicing well, the experience is ecstatic for both partners. 
and you get to look forward to that experience every single day. What's better than feeling seen and loved and intimately connecting with the person that you chose to do life with? And it's getting better as the years go by. That's possible. I am a living testament to that. I've dedicated my life to it. It is absolutely possible. Does it take hard work? Do you have to practice it? Hell yeah. So does a fit body. You know, if you want to run fast, you better practice. You can't just go in the relationship and do nothing. It will wither. It will die. Just like a garden. Well, what, water it. what doesn't make sense to me is, you know, you take an average person, at least in the United States, certainly in New York or California, where I've been living, they spend, okay, so let's say you sleep eight hours. Mm-hmm. So you're up for 16 hours that day. Mm-hmm. Out of those 16 hours, how many hours are they spending on work? How many hours are they spending on social media? And how many hours are they spending on deepening their consciousness and their intimate relationship? Yeah, precisely. That just, yeah, it's, it's really even one hour meditation in 40 minutes really isn't that much in the grand scheme of your whole day. No, not what you get out of that. No, not at all. And it's, but the point you just made is exactly it is our lives are out of balance. And if we're not prioritizing our relationship in some capacity, it will die. If you don't prioritize making money, your bank account will vanish. (laughs) If you, if you don't exercise, your muscles will diminish and you will become weaker. This is all common sense, but we have to really ask ourselves, do we have some time to invest in this relationship? If I'm going to be in this for as long as I hope to be, I would hope that it's getting some attention. And the question is, what's the quality of attention we're giving it? And what does it actually take? Because I think a lot of people think, well, relationship is just this daunting thing that I'm always in because I live with them, I sleep with them, I'm always in relationship. Isn't that enough? You know what I mean? Like that feeling of like, well, I am doing the work. No, you're not. You're just living next, next to this person. If all London and I did was have 40 minutes every day, which oftentimes, sometimes that's all we do, that's enough. And the rest of our lives can be completely functional. You know, we can just be parents or just be this or just be that. But if we have just that 40 minute slot for us, it's more than enough. And it doesn't even need to be daily if that's too much for people. Just prioritizing that time. And when a lot of people think about like, well, we have date night. And that's cool. Date night's totally cool. Don't want to diss date night. Diss date night's awesome. But is there something you can be doing on date night or something you can be doing that actually does deepen the relationship? It takes it to a greater depth than just hanging out with this person. But something's being cultivated between the two of you. And that's where the yoga really comes in. That's where this becomes a spiritual practice. Date night can be let's go do this activity and watch this show and eat this food. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, that, how does that deepen the consciousness and the polarity and the relationship growth? Precisely. So London and I will like do date night and it'll be just like that. And that's so healing for a human being. I mean, you, that's medicine. Is that the deepest expression of our intimacy and our spiritual depth that we could bring to our relationship? We, could do those things as that but are we and what would need to shift in order for them to become that depth how would we need to eat dinner with our partners such that we're not chatting about mom and dad or what happened at work or this new post we just saw but there's actually something profoundly sexual and intimate going on between our bodies and again that happens very naturally it tends to in the early moments of the relationship but we lose it somewhere along the way how do we harness that fire and keep stoking that flame as we go and go and go and that's what we teach people is that exact technology that needs to be done to create that yeah you made a funny reference earlier to not putting um, icing on shit pie Mm -hmm. why do you think that many people stay with so to speak shit pie and i've found a lot of relationships like you were saying it's not compatible it's you're gonna find that love that you crave by walking away sometimes 
why do you think people stay in incompatible or overly frustrating not yeah like those types of relationships i think a lot of people are really good people I think people are wired to be very good. And I think once you kind of commit to somebody, it, you don't want to hurt them, I think. And I think that really does play a huge role in our decision-making around a relationship. I think a lot of people feel stuck because they've invested a lot. They really do care about somebody and they simply don't want to be the cause or source of a deep pain in that person. I think that happens more often than any other situation. And then obviously there's other things of, you know, all types of scenarios of dependence and other things that really play into this as well, which can't be overlooked. But the way that London and I really approach relationship in our work is if you're there and they're there, you guys are there for a reason. And is this meant to be? And we tell couples who come to us who aren't sure if they're going to stay together, like this work isn't here to put icing on a shit pie and make you pretend like your problems aren't there and just make this all feel good again. What this work is going to do is it's going to reveal what's true. And sometimes what's true is we hide behind past hurts and mechanically cloak and what, what would be true is to remove that garbage such that we can be intimate again and love each other again. And the moment that becomes available, we're like, this relationship is true. There you are, there this is, there I am. And sometimes that becomes the truth. But then there's other times where two people have simply met their end and they've shown up and they've been doing the work and it's just no longer appropriate to continue. This work will reveal what's true. Going back to, you mentioned earlier, the importance of staying connected spiritually, emotionally, sexually with your partner, as opposed to the constant pop-ups that we are presented with in our lives. I personally don't, as personally for a business, my team posts on social media, but I personally don't use Instagram. Um, I don't use these pornography sites. And I even have like um, adult content restricted on my phone. I don't have the Instagram app on my phone. And sometimes I feel like I'm this weird person like who doesn't use the things that everyone else uses. And then other times I feel like I'm the only sane one in a crazy world. And I'm curious what your personal phone looks like, what your phone habits look like and how you manage to stay connected to yourself and to the alpha and omega during the days, because I personally find it to be relatively easier to have a meditation session in the morning and in the evening. But how do you stay grounded throughout the day? And also what is your kind of personal relationship with these different platforms and technologies that exist today? Hmm. If I, If I felt it was the best idea for just kind of the continuation of my community and my business to not be on social media, I wouldn't be on it at all. Um, I have an Instagram account, which I don't use. It's so it's, it seems kind of pointless. It's just there, but I have my assistant kind of upload stuff and, um, yeah. but I don't, I don't use it. Um, but I do use Facebook and we have a yoga of intimacy Facebook group. And we have, you know, over 3000 members in there. And that has been my only way to really communicate with all the people we've been working with all of these years and stay in touch with them. So it's a place where I can go and have this contained conversation. That's just about yoga of intimacy and people interested in it. So I will go on there and I will interact with that group and make posts about our teaching work and post videos from the things that we're doing. Yeah. I do utilize it, but it's with the intention of staying in the conversation of this work. Outside of that, um, yeah, I, I try to avoid uh, those technologies as much as I can. Yeah, and I'm not knocking some of these platforms. Like one of my good friends is an amazing role model to me, very happily married with a child. And he uses Instagram socially, personally, he uploads pictures of his baby and he, he messages with his friends to set up meetings. So I'm not knocking the platform across the board. 
the bigger question is what, how do you stay present in a world where you, okay, you meditate, but then you go to work. And I personally am kind of still working through this where like, I'll have a work call and then I'll be on my computer and I'll be on email and I'm not as intentional about staying present and taking breaks. And I'm still figuring what my day looks like and how to stay more grounded throughout the day. And I'm curious how you do that. Well, you know, just that structure I described to you about my morning meditation and 40 minutes with London and then so on and so forth. My entire day is that rigorously structured. Um, the, the baby's on a sleep schedule. So the way London and I operate is inside this very tight, clear structure. We know what we're doing, what we're doing to the minute, to be honest with you, from wake to sleep. So having that very clear structure and shared between both of us is tremendously helpful, tremendously powerful. And we realized how powerful it is just for our child to have that structure too, because she gets the rest she needs. She's so well adjusted. When, when Omega has the structure, Omega can relax and babies are Omega, all Omega energy. And when there's no structure, Omega can kind of get a little wild and cranky. And when we first had our child, we had no idea what we were doing. We still don't know what we're doing. But we didn't know anything about sleep schedules. And she was just constantly cranky, moody. And we were like, okay, we know. Let's keep her up as late as we can. So then she'd get real tired at night and go to sleep. And that was completely wrong information. The more a baby sleeps, the more sleep they'll get. So learning those principles was so insightful about also deepening our understanding and polarity and these mechanics of alpha and omega. That structure allows omega to relax. And one of the biggest complaints that women in their omega have with their men is like, I don't feel safe. I can't trust you because he's not bringing any structure to the equation. How can one relax if there's no clarity of direction or structure present? So what a man learns very quickly is how do I bring structure to my relationship in my life? And the more structure a man tends to bring, the more polarizing he is to an omega woman, right? So when we start to learn how these mechanics work, they apply across the board. And one of the easiest things I've found is with those time structures and schedules, they keep my brain in the place where it needs to be. And you know, I'll still occasionally like go on an Instagram or something and I'll pull it up. And I'll just see like one incredibly insane photo of a beautiful woman. You know what I mean? Just like insane. And you're just like, boom, whoa. And it just hits you. And then I'll close my phone. And I just notice my brain is holding on to that image. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm meditating a lot. I'm very mindful of what's in my brain. And it's just like, that's not healthy. I don't want that there. You know, like. I don't want that now in my bedroom or in my sexual experiences or other places, because when I'm there and not here with my woman, the quality of my life is compromised as a result. And I'm constantly living in fantasy images and unable to actually appreciate the moment I'm in and frustrated that I'm not in that other moment. So we're living in these worlds where the present moment isn't sufficient and then the future or these desires feel a million miles away and we're just frustrated trying to catch desire. And I just feel like social media plays into that very heavily. And again, like I'm not knocking either. I think it's an amazing medium. It can be used very skillfully intelligent, but we do have to be careful. Yeah. And I have experienced doing, I don't know if your morning practice is similar to the um, audio meditations in the end of Way of the Superior Man. But when I started doing those with uh, one of my past partners, I said, no amount of Instagram, pornography, videos, images, whatever compares to this level yeah. of feelings. It's like, it made it easier to quit that stuff when you experience what's possible in a deep spiritual polarity driven way. There's no question about it. Once you show up to practice in your properly guided into it and you experience it, which every man and woman is capable of, you go, oh, oh, this is the thing. Oh, okay. More of this, please. More of this, please. And it's, it's life-changing event. I, I really would love 
every man and woman to have at least the experience to know what that part of themselves is and what's possible that they can create, co-create at any time they want. Because we all have that power. It's just how much mindfulness do we intend on bringing to it? You know, we're very mindful about our meditations these days and about taking care of our health and our bodies. This is the next phase to be mindful in our sexuality and intimacy such that it's something not to be repelled by or burdened or haunted by, but something to be brought into light, made beautiful. And that's one of the key things I'm really working with men with now because in this generation, in this time, more than any other time, the male sexual desire is under a microscope and under scrutiny for good reasons. And are we going to pretend that part of us doesn't exist or try and cut it away like the head of a beast? Or is there actually a lesson in this where we can bring that part of our sex drive to consciousness in a way that is beautiful and healing, not just for us, but also our sexual partners? That's been a deep inquiry I've been in with men these days. Yeah. There, there was just another one the past few days of NFL quarterback, um, Deshaun Watson, I believe his name is, um, several lawsuits brought against him. And every time I see these things, it just reminds me, it almost gives me more fuel to deepen my consciousness around how I'm going to practice and experience conscious sexuality in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that it's inspiring you in that way. Um, that's a very positive thing. And, you know, simultaneously, I'm curious, you know, for you, does it bring any degree of like concern or fear inside of you when you see this happening again and again? Does that come up for you at all? You know, it used to before I had a total handle on it. Um, you know, seeing some of the ramifications of what happens. For example, I obviously love podcasting and I watch great interviewers, um, Howard Stern, Joe Rogan. But one I really admired a lot was Charlie Rose. And he was a fam very famous TV interviewer who interviewed some of the world's biggest politicians, celebrities, athletes. And then when he, of all people, was you know, the first line in his Wikipedia page isn't incredible journalist, Duke law graduate, TV personality. It's, you know, I don't know if it was convicted or sued, or but it's, that's what he goes down in history for. I said, everything I do in my life can be negated if I don't have an appropriate, conscious, healthy relationship with my own sexuality and how that's going to show up with women in the world. I can't be known for that as my primary. And I saw the documentary on um, former politician, Anthony Weiner. He had an addiction to sexting. And I just said, wow, that's, again, he's in, he's in jail. Federal prison for engaging in that with a minor. And so again, I try to use that as fuel and inspiration to say, I wanna be the opposite. I want to be an example for men to say what's the opposite of that sort of shadow masculine or a lot of people call it toxic masculinity but there's a there's a healthy masculinity that's the opposite the opposite isn't the omega to me the opposite is the healthy alpha absolutely 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 there's going to be a lot of men out there who feel it's very similar to you and simultaneously feel, well, then what the hell do I do with this part of myself? Yeah. And continue to keep it ever more secret and more covert. And we see this in monasteries with monks. We see... How profoundly difficult that can be as if this part doesn't exist. I think we know by now that with any serious healing is required bringing certain things to light and bringing consciousness to them, not pretending they don't exist. 
And one of the most profound things that I've learned in my intimacy with my woman as we deepened in our trust together is that these parts of me that I was afraid of that were sexually dark, when I learned how to, with consciousness and integrity, communicate them to her, bring them to our sexing and our practice, they were opening her more than where they were opening me. They were just as deep a gift to her sexual experience and her love for me and her trust in me because I, she felt I had them integrated and I was placing them in the appropriate place. I was placing them in a relationship where there was trust, where that we were allowed to go, that we developed that depth, where those darkest parts of me were allowed to be seen and expressed as love that deepened our connection. Now that's a transformational experience, I believe for any man. I think a lot of men have not had that experience. And to learn that that is possible, that those parts in you are not wicked or evil, they just are very immature and they come out very ugly ways that are destructive, that are wrong. But to pretend that part of us doesn't exist will create a kind of aberration in men that won't be the medicine that's needed here. There needs to be a coming into light and a way to learn how do I let this part of me mature and become an ally of mine rather than this enemy who's subject to destroy my life and hurt other people in the process. How does this become a gift for the person that I love? That's profound transmutation. That is absolutely possible. That is absolutely possible, but it takes this level of commitment. It takes this level of consciousness that we're committed to because it's difficult. Yeah. I am a, a hopefully living proof of that. We met through a gentleman in New York who runs a group uh, for these purposes. And I also worked um, personally and in a group setting with a gentleman in California uh, named George Collins, who I've spoken about before, who writes about compulsive addictions and, and pornography specifically. And just being a part of working with him and getting it all out in the open, like you said, and then also sharing that with other men was huge for me because it's, you know, when it's in the closet, it, it's like bacteria and then the moldy water in the dark, it just multiplies. Yes. Versus just shining the heat on it that kills it by taking it out and sharing it with safe professional people who have gone on that journey and can help you on yours. Absolutely. Light, light needs to be brought, not more darkness, not sweeping anything under the rug or locking it in a cage, but how do, how do we alchemize that part into something that is conscious and loving? That is our work. So I'm going to ask you in a minute where people can find you and your book and everything like that. But before we wrap up, if you could leave our audience with one final statement or message or summary of what you would encourage them to do as next steps, if they want either the level of consciousness that you have, or certainly the intimate relationship and the family that you've built, what would be kind of one, if you could take out a billboard Pull quote, what would you say for everyone today? You must prioritize intimacy. You must make time specifically to be intimate with the person you are choosing to love. If you do not, no matter who you find or what relationship you have, what you love about it will wither. Make time. And even if you don't know what it looks like or what that means yet, set the time aside and just bring presence to it. Bring curiosity. Get that feeling that makes you want to know more about the partner you've chosen and isolate. Turn off the phones, the television, get away from the children and give them that time because you both deserve that. And when we prioritize that, our relationships are subject to transform. Justin Patrick Pierce, thank you for your 
words of wisdom, your consciousness, your presence today. I know I want to look into more about what you do in your book. Where can we all find your information and learn more about who you are? My wife, London, and I wrote a book uh, for women, The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love, and that's on Amazon. Uh, we've had tons of men read it too, who really enjoy it. There's a lot of chapters where I specifically write from the man's point of view. Um, but that's a key place to start this journey. Otherwise, I could be found on my website, justinpatrickpierce.com. There's tons of video content and different things um, that are available. Our Yoga of Intimacy Facebook group is where our whole community of students come together and they talk and we share a lot of content in there. And then I, I'm also part of a men's community, the men's community that you uh, participated in. Yeah. Um, and there, the website for that is tribemenscommunity.com. And on there, we offer all different forms of online training, men's group calls. We're doing a three-month uh, program exclusively for 12 men. And I have colleagues who work with me who are very deeply uh, steeped in conscious business, uh, formal uh, meditative and martial art techniques. Um, so it's just a really holistic approach to all of this. And I just, I cover the domain of intimacy and sacred sex. Thank you for sharing that, Justin. And thank you again very much for coming on the show today. It was a real honor talking to you. I uh, really appreciate the work that you've done in the world. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.